We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Sports Talk Devin Wade Podcast. Another great episode for you this time out. And we are so glad that you have found us. Don't know what platform you use or how you found us, but we are certainly glad that you have. And we hope that you continue to listen, share, interact, and be a part of everything that we have going on. And I'm going to give you a rundown of what we have coming up. But first and foremost, want to remind you guys that you can go to the WadesWordProductions.com website 24 hours a day and get all things D-Wade. And we are expanding all the time. And we'll have something special on the website coming up uh, here later to probably by the time you hear this. Let's just say that. By the time you hear this, WadesWordProductions.com website. In addition to that, the sports line, 24 hours a day. You can call us, give us your comments, your critiques, your requests, any of those things at 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Well, this time out, we're going to talk to one of our special teams unit members, a guy who is our basketball expert, a former professional basketball player, a former Duke Blue Devil and Los Angeles Clipper, and played years overseas and, and made quite a dent and was quite successful overseas. Daniel Ewing will join us to give us his take on the NBA season. In addition to that, we will have some headlines. We will get into some We the People. In addition to that, we'll have a mix from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and of course our conversation with Daniel Ewing. And then we have the Lamont Award. And before I let go, so all of those things and whatever else we could come up with this time out. So with that, let's get into some Headlines in headlines. The NBA is back. The NBA is back. And I'm about as optimistic about them completing as I've ever been, with the exception of what happened in baseball. And I'll get into the NBA and I want to talk about the NBA. But first, I want to talk about Major League Baseball. And of course, the Miami Marlins and they're testing positive. I don't know how much longer we'll have a season. And and I'll get to that part. But I'm going to start with the Houston Astros. Yes, the 2017 World Series Houston Astros. Because I am upset about the hypocrisy of the media and of the fans and of the Twitter sphere. So let me let me say this again. The word for today is hypocrisy. Okay, so after winning three or four to open the season, the 60-game season in Major League Baseball, the Astros hosted the Los Angeles Dodgers for a two-game series. Now, of course, there was a lot of buildup because there was a lot of chirping in the offseason, and Dodger fans and Dodger players were all upset about what happened in 2017, even though Game 7 was on the road. Hello? Hello? Hello, Game 7 was on the road. They couldn't have cheated on the road. They didn't have the same access on the road. So there's that. In addition to that, the two teams play a series. Okay. And in Game 1 of the series, Joe Kelly, who was not on the Dodgers in 2017, he 
threw he he threw a number of pitches at people, talk noise, caused quite a dust up. Okay, and that happens in baseball, and I this sort of somewhat expected. But here's the issue. Okay, he gets an eight game suspension. Dave Roberts, the manager for the Los Angeles Dodgers, he gets a one game suspension, and Dusty Baker got fined. But everybody is and complaining about the fact that, oh, Joe Kelly should have cheated. He wouldn't have gotten suspended had he just cheated. Oh, he got more punishment than the Astros. And this is why, again, the word of the day is hypocrisy because everybody believes in the system until it doesn't go their way. So the system was set up by the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred said, look, be forthcoming. Let us know what happened, how this happened. And we promise the players will have immunity because we really want to get to the bottom of this. Now you already knew that the Boston's uh, Red Sox had cheated. You already knew that the Yankees had cheated. And then you sent out this warning to all the baseball Astros ran through the stop sign. Okay. They, they clearly violated. It was out, you know, it was out of line. They went further than most other teams did. But we know that there were other teams that have done this. I mean, obviously, Boston, we know more about the Yankees. And then I, there was a, a lawsuit saying that they had to reveal the extent of emails uh, that were written to the Yankees about the cheating scandal that they were involved in. So we know that this is going on. They've sort of even admitted that this thing has gone on around the league. That's why they were trying to clean it up. So it was never just the Astros. But here is the deal. Rob Manfred said, I am going to offer the players immunity for the truth. That was not the decision made by the Astros. The Astros did not come up with that. The, the Astros didn't sit down at the bargaining table and say, well, we'll tell you if we have immunity. That's not how that came about. The league offered it. They wanted to get to the bottom of it, and they did. Hence, no players were suspended. Now, you could take that up with the commissioner's office, and but everybody seems to still be pissed off about the Houston Astros. But everybody else was cheating too, not in, in, to, to some extent. And we've had conversations with Enos Cabell about it. We know that this has gone on around the league. The Astros were just the best at it, and they did the most with it, apparently. Although we still don't know that. So Kelly throws. Eight games is a lot of games in a 60-game schedule. But I'll say this. He was suspended because they want to set the tone. First of all, there was no social distancing once the two benches came together. There was a lot of hostility, a lot of wolfing, a lot of yelling. And this is on the backdrop of already games being postponed and probably canceled for the Miami Marlins and the Phillies are having issues, all of that. So that's going on. And so now you have teams in a dust-up, which they were warned against before the season. So baseball is saying, we are going to stop this right now. Stop throwing at the Astros. Y'all can take this up next year. We're not going to do it this year. We are trying to make this money. We can't afford to suspend guys. We can't have a bunch of guys get sick because one guy had COVID, but he was in a scrum fighting over some that happened three years ago. So that's why baseball did what they did. The resentment from the media and the fans, you know what? You can bite it. Kiss the ring. Because at the end of the day, the agreement was made 
with the commissioner. Once he got the backlash from the public and the media, I don't think Major League Baseball was prepared for the pushback. They got a lot of pushback, and guess what they said after that? We are not opening this can of worms again. We are not going to handle other teams the way we handled the Astros. I'll give you a prime example, a prime example. SMU. SMU got the death penalty, right, for violations, for continuously violating NCAA rules. Once SMU was never able to really come back, still to this day, they're not what they were. They'll never be what they were for a lot of reasons, but the death penalty really, really hurt them. The NCAA decided at that time that they would never give another team the death penalty. And we've seen all sorts of violations across the board. Never has a team been shut down. Never has a football team, basketball team been shut down for the year or a couple years. Never happened and won't happen again because they saw the ramifications and they said, well, wait a minute, if this is the precedence, what do you do with Kentucky? What do you do with Louisville? What do you do with Kansas? What do you do with programs that we need to make money so we can never, ever have the death penalty again? You got away with it with SMU, a private university that was really at the time, they were at the top of the Southwest Conference. And then what you did was say, okay, we're going to take them out of the mix. They weren't moving the needle in all of college football. But you let that happen to Alabama. You let that happen to Auburn. You let that happen to Clemson. So they did that, and they're never going to do it again. Same thing with baseball. They came down on the Astros, and really, they went after the GM, manager, fired, all that. And, you know, they've done some other suspensions of Alex Cora in Boston. But nothing near, no admission from Major League Baseball of the extent of Boston and the Yankees cheating. And we may never know that. But we do know, and it'll never get the headlines that it would have gotten had it come out at the time. They kicked the can on this, and they delayed it, and they waited till the pandemic, and then on some Friday news dump, they threw it out there. So what happened to the Astros? Look, again, we went around and around on all of this. Yeah, okay, they did something wrong. They weren't angels. But the agreement was made by the commissioner, and that's what it is. Can't hey, can't deal with that. Take it up with Rob Manfred or go kick rocks. Because you know what? They're still the 2017 champs. So all this hypocrisy, oh, they deserve to be. And like I love what Dusty Baker said. He said, you know what? Don't start none, won't be none. You can start it, but we're going to get with you. We ain't taking it. <laughs> we're not going to take it. And all it's going to take is for the Astros to get out there and throw hands. One good time and, and whoop somebody's ass. And you say, well, this, this is baseball. We can't have that. Okay, well, you start throwing baseballs at me. And a part of it is the game. But Kelly went high, really high with a 96-mile-an-hour fastball or whatever, got away from him. I don't know that he intended to go that high. He he was not – he he was a weird kind of dude anyway. Something little, seemed a little off about that guy on that night. I don't know anything about him. But I'll tell you what. You can't go that high that fast on a guy. If you want to hit somebody, okay, hit him in the rear end, hit, hit him on the on the uh, on the legs, whatever. You know, brush him back because on the major league level they have a, a, an incredible amount of control. That's fine. We'll take some of that, and I'm sure at some point we'll do the same. We'll respond. We with them, the Astros will respond. But again, you everybody's mad and saying they deserve to be hit. No, they, no, they don't. If you get mad at anybody, 
get mad at Rob Manfred. So as it pertains to whether we'll continue to have a baseball season, first and foremost, let me say this. I have enjoyed baseball. I've watched a lot of baseball, watched San Diego, uh, the San Diego Padres. I've watched the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, I've been watching baseball. And I'm loving baseball being back. I watch the Astros every night and as much as I can. And I have enjoyed it thoroughly. But I don't think that they're going to complete the season. After 17 members of the Miami Marlins organization, players and coaches, tested positive. Of course, they're suspended. Uh, they're postponed all their games through Sunday. And then they have some reserve players and they'll sign some free agents. But right now, no one knows what is going to happen. Philadelphia, I have they've had a couple of players test positive. I don't know what the numbers are. That's sort of breaking news. I'll have to look into that. But that's a, a big, big deal as well. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it was going to happen. Uh, I think that it's going to be hard to get through this. This is not even seven days in, and we've had this kind of disruption in baseball. And it shows you, okay, that this is not a real season because – Miami may not even play the whole 60 games. And then they're talking about doing double headers with seven inning double headers. So it's a lot of weird things going on as it pertains to just trying to piecemeal some sort of season together. And of course it's with the money and I get it, but it's not a real season in that way. But nonetheless, the Astros, a lot of young pitching, Verlander, they thought was shut down for the season. They're gonna they put him on a ten day DL. We'll see if he can respond to come back. But already, Arcady is not there for the Astros. Jordan Alvarez is not there. They've lost a couple pitches. They've like this. I mean, they about five pitchers made their major league debuts this weekend uh, in the early part of the week for the Houston Astros. So that's going on. The NBA is back, and boy, a couple of marquee games. I guess marquee if Zion Williamson plays, but the New Orleans Pelicans are set to play the New Orleans Jazz. Not sure if Zion Williamson is going to play, but then it's the Lakers and the Clippers. So we get the chance to talk about all things basketball. I have posted my picks, uh, and uh, all the fellas have posted their picks on the website. So you'll see those on the website, and you'll get an opportunity to see what everybody else picked. I'm going with Toronto and the Clippers, and I'm taking Toronto to win it all. I'm just I'm, I'm going renegade out there to win the NBA Cup. I won't even call it the, <laughs> I won't even call it uh, the an NBA championship. I'll call it an NBA Cup. So that's going on, and I know you guys are excited. I asked you about it. That's coming up in the next segment as we get into some we the people. Also, in the NFL, a number of players are opting out. They are not going to play this NFL season. But the big story in the NFL, if they do, well, I guess the big story is. Six or seven New England Patriots have opted out. Damian, uh, Damian Williams for the Kansas City Chiefs has opted out. Marquise Goodwin has opted out. Yeah, that's big news. And we still we have some time before we determine whether or not there'll be an NFL season. No preseason at all. And they're trying to make this thing happen. I am not thinking that that is going to be able to happen at all. We'll see. They're going to give it more than a college try to make that happen. But the big news in the NFL... Jamal Adams was traded to the Seattle Seahawks. And boy, maybe it's the Legion of Boom part two. Now they got what two, uh, they got a player, two number ones and a number three, I think for a, a, a uh, or a number two in exchange for a number four 
and Jamal Adams. So that defense is going to be incredible again. So those are some of the things to watch. There's so many more headlines. I didn't even get into the college football thing. There's so many more angles that we can get into. But for now, let's get into our next segment. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, I turn to you guys. And usually I'll uh, take some calls on the sports line, 832-941-6614. But instead, we ask some poll questions on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook page. Now, we uh, ask you three NBA questions, and here are the poll results. I asked you guys which one of these teams is most likely to win the NBA championship, the Lakers or the Clippers. Drum roll, please. Well, I don't have a drum roll. I'll have a drum roll. Uh, yeah, we'll develop a drum roll. But you guys said overwhelmingly to the tune of 84%, the Los Angeles Lakers would win. No love for the Clippers? No love? <laughs> I guess it's a lot of LeBron love on uh, the uh, poll questions from the folks that answered. Because I know we have a lot of folks who didn't respond. But yeah, a lot. I'm surprised by that. I thought it would be a little bit more even, but everybody's loving the Lakers, so they won that one. In addition to that, I asked which one of these teams from the sixth seed uh, is most likely to upset the apple cart in their conference. The Philadelphia 76ers, the sixth seed in the East, or the sixth seed in the West, the Houston Rockets, and you guys went with the 76ers. 76% of you guys said that the Philadelphia 76ers would be the team that would be most disruptive. And finally, I asked you guys, which one of these two teams has the best chance to upset the favorites in their conference, the Toronto Raptors in the East or the Denver Nuggets in the West? Now, sort of an unfair question in that the Toronto Raptors are the two seed, and a lot of people consider them the favorite. Uh, I roll with them, but and I've said this uh, over the last few podcasts and on KTSU Sports Talk, but a lot of you guys agreed. Although the Denver Nuggets could be a surprise team, if, if not to win it all, to upset somebody important or somebody we think would be in the running. But uh, you guys, to the tune of 73%, picked the Toronto Raptors over the Denver Nuggets. So those are the results. We'll go to the same questions when we have a conversation with Daniel Ewing. Speaking of which, going to take a time out here, a word from our sponsor and a mix from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. want to remind you guys, if you want to advertise on Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, just email us, advertise at wadeswordproductions.com. That's advertise at wadeswordproductions.com, and we'll get back with you and uh, make that happen. If you have music for us, Make sure you email us at music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com, and we will play it, a snippet at the halfway point, an extended portion of a mix or an entire song at the end of the podcast. Please make sure it's radio edit, and the genre does not matter. So with all that being said, going to take a time out, Dan Ewing on the other side, and the Lamont Award. And before I let go, this is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. 
be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. You're listening to the mix of our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. That's our guy. That's our dude doing it big. And, of course, he's on SoundCloud, DJ Anarchy, and you can find him on Instagram. He mix, I still, I think he still mixes on Saturday mornings on Instagram Live. In addition to that, of course, you can find him on Twitter, DJ Anarchy. That's our guy. But right now, I want to get into a conversation we had with our resident basketball expert, one of the special teams unit, our very own Daniel Ewing. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, Devin. What's going on, man? I'm good. Man, great to have you. It's uh, It's been an eventful day for you and I, and I'll detail this a little bit later on. But essentially, working from home, the, the power went out, and you've been patient with me all day, and I certainly appreciate it. We're here now, so uh, a lot to get into, and I want your opinion on a number of things. But first and foremost, hey, some exciting new developments with you. Your podcast is out. Tell us about it. I, I saw the first episode. Tell us a little bit about uh, the debut episode of your podcast. Well, like you said, uh, it was all a dream. With Daniel Yoin is out now on all platforms. First episode was with a good friend of mine, former opponent of mine, Lanny Smith, who is now the CEO of Active Face Sports, Christian Apparel brand that's uh, blowing up worldwide. Yeah, worldwide, literally. And like I said, I'm just trying to talk to individuals, man, who've had a story of, of triumph and, and success, but also have had some struggle. And just kind of let people know that, you know, it's different paths to reach the top. And uh, just kind of bring some inspiration and dive into some of these interesting people's story and let you hear it. And I find it interesting, and you made a conscious effort uh, right out the gate to say, okay, this is not just going to be about sports. This is about the person and their personal journey. Uh, does that open you up to have guests that aren't necessarily in, in the athletic arena? Are you talking to other people who are successes in, uh, in other parts of life? Or because uh, this is the, your area of expertise, it's easier to talk to athletes? Oh, well, no, it definitely opens me up. Well, like I said, it's, it's not just for athletes or former athletes. Just so happen that's a lot of my network and people who, who are former athletes. So it's going to come from a kind of like an athletic foundation. Like I said, a lot of these people didn't actually become successful from being an athlete. Right, they just went on the journey. Well, like I said, it uh, sounds like uh, the sort of inspirational stuff we need these days with so much going on. And, uh, you know, it's good to have some good news uh, from time to time. Speaking of good news, it looks like we are finally going to get underway with NBA regular season basketball. How excited are you about something like this? Look, man, I, I think everybody's been been anticipating and waiting for, you know, waiting for tomorrow. Uh, the actual games to officially start. I'm looking forward to it. The, the, I haven't been 
too impressed with the uh, scrimmage games up until this point. But I think I actually think the actual real games are going to be uh, going to be a little bit better, going to be much better, considering that you know it's, it's official and guys are playing for will be playing for the championship and, and, and getting ready for the playoffs. Do you think guys will sort of not be as intense because the battle for home court, is it really doesn't matter. So do you think that they just want to work on things to position themselves? I mean, because I think only a few teams really have to worry about positioning. Is that a worry, you think, for some of the teams in the middle or in the, the bottom half of the top eight in each conference? No, I actually, I think it's the opposite. I think teams are going, I mean, I, I really think teams going to really be trying to handle their business, you know, just considering that some teams could possibly move up, in, you know, in, in the top eight, some teams could drop out. So I think it's, I think, I think these next games, next eight games are going to really be a focal point for just about every team to either hold the position they already have that's in the playoff spot or to try to move up if possible. Well, as it pertains to the NBA, so far so good with the positive COVID testing. No positives. Everybody's clean. Everybody's staying COVID-free. But there was news this week with Lou Williams, who had an excused absence from the bubble. He went back to Atlanta to attend a funeral, and he ended up picking up dinner at the famed strip club Magic City. It's caused quite an uproar. What's your take on it? Man, you know, it... It is kind of tricky. I just think I think the NBA doing what they have to do. Of course, the media is making a, a bigger deal out of it. But based on the criteria of the bubble and, and quarantine, and it is what it is. The man is an adult. He's allowed to you know make choices that you know he feels is necessary to, to wine and dine himself. Uh, <laughs> it just it just so happened. You know, it just so I mean, it just so happened that that you know that the gentleman's club actually does provide some some great food. So. Yeah, I mean, my whole take about it is I think more than anything, it's the optics of it. It looked to the, the public, and I think it looked to the NBA like he initially he wasn't taking the precautions seriously. So I think, although he was going to face a 10-day quarantine anyway, I think they have to sort of make a big deal out of it because, again, the optics look bad. It look, it just Because, again, this one thing caused this big uproar in the media because he did it. And, and again, you would hope that somebody would have got a curbside or something for him when you go out and about, especially in a hot, uh, really a, sort of a hot zone like Atlanta right now. A lot of cases of COVID in that city. So him going to eat anywhere would be of concern to me. Get it delivered or go curbside. But I think the fact that he's eating out of a strip club is not a big deal, especially when you know the city of Atlanta and how they do uh, wings in at Magic City and all that stuff that they talked about. By and large, we've heard some people on the snitch line. You think the other guys are really paying attention and, and being precautious about not leaving the bubble and not violating the, the parameters and perimeters of the quarantine? I think so. I think guys are have a pretty good idea of how things are you know how things are going to go now in the bubble now that they're there settled everybody who's there has pretty much gone through that initial you know the initial quarantine phase that they had to go through before they could actually leave their rooms uh and like i said i think i mean guys understand this you know that they're there for a reason now so regardless of how you know how tough it is or how inconvenient it may be and it's not really inconvenient considering you know that we are in a pandemic but just for the simple fact that you know you can't really do it do anything outside of the things that's recommended. It is what it is right now for the sake of those guys having to do their job and for the overall betterment of everybody there, you know, the health and, and the well-being of everyone in the bubble.
Yeah, well, like I said, I'm, I'm hoping that the guys take it serious, and I think that the, obviously the NBA is. They want to get it done, and all you have to do is look at baseball this week to see how, man, with the Miami Marlins, all, 17 of those guys testing positive. I know that makes both the NFL and the NBA a little bit nervous about what's going on with uh, the continuation of a sport if a, a, an entire team or a large, large portion of the team gets COVID. But let's shift gears. I want to do a segment that we call this or that. The choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. Now, in this or that, what we simply do is I present you with two choices and you tell me this one or that one. The team most likely to win the Western Conference, the Lakers or the Clippers? Uh, I'm going to say the Lakers <laughs> for the simple fact that the Clippers not they don't have that full team yet, you know. So you have the situation with Lou Will. So he's gonna he's gonna be out for I don't know how many games. The, the ten game, the ten days he have to quarantine. I don't know how many games they have in that span. And Montrez Harrell is not even in the bubble yet for the Clippers. So that I mean, those are two key players that's gonna they're gonna need when they you know doing this playoff push and trying to and trying to pursue this championship. And I think the Lakers with LeBron, his experience, and we know, you know, the seriousness and the focus that he he ramps it up to when it comes time to playoff time and getting ready for the playoffs. And, and know the fact that they go, their guys are all healthy right now, and, and they've been all together. I think they, I think they clinched the Western Conference. Well, what about the the absence of Avery Bradley and the the injury to Rondo, who will be back? They think during the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that one? Because to me, I think that that really, even when you bring in a guy like J.R. Smith, I, I don't think that that's the same as uh, what Avery Bradley is able to do for you. And what do you think about the absences in their backcourt? Both of those absences hurt, no doubt. Uh, I mean, Rondo would be back considering that we're expecting the Lakers to make a, a push to the finals. Rondo would be back. But not having Avery Bradley does hurt the backcourt defense of uh, versatility and, and you know his presence as a, as a defender and you know offensively him being able to hit some shots here and there. But like I said, you still have LeBron, you have AD, and then you have you know you picked up J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters looked good most part throughout the scrimmages. Uh, they have, I mean, they have a veteran enough enough pieces and enough veterans on that team who who can who can still hold it down, especially until Rondo gets back. Well, we know that Milwaukee is the favorite in the East, but next up in this or that, which team is uh, most likely to uh, upset the top teams in their conference, the Toronto Raptors or the Denver Nuggets? Which team is more more poised for the upset? I wouldn't consider – well, the team I'm going to pick, I wouldn't consider it an upset, but I'm going to go with Toronto. Right. Well, they, they are a two-seed as opposed to the Nuggets, who are, I think are three-seed. So, yeah. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Toronto for the fact that they lost Kawhi Leonard, but what they've been able to do this year without Kawhi and guys still being able to play well, play well, uh, Pascal Siakam turning, you know, becoming a pro and and showing that he, you know, he has the ability to to be a big time player going forward. I think, I think you still have to respect, you know, what that team has done. That's pretty much the same team except they lost the one they lost. I mean, they, the person they lost was a key player, but. They only lost one guy, and they got pretty much everyone returning to try to defend their championship. So I like Toronto chances in in the playoffs and actually getting back to the finals in the, in the East. Yeah, and see, and I picked Toronto as well because I mean, not only uh, they they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and people again remember this with Houston. I know you do uh, when they ran it, won the second 
that back-to-back uh, championship in the second year, they were like a six seed. They were down uh, 3-1, and they were able to come back and, and really do work because of that championship sort of chip that you have on your shoulder where you just say, hey, we are champs still. And also, I think Nick Nurse has done a great job. They were down there first, I think, with their entire team. So I think they'll be playing. They'll be on a mission. And so, yeah, I, I agree with that. I like Denver, too, though. Uh, we'll have to see what, what happens in the West. But finally in this or that, the sixth seed most likely to advance to the NBA Finals, I had to find a way, either the Rockets <laughs> or the 76ers. I had I had to find a way to work the Rockets into the man. conversation. Oh, man. If the sixth seed most likely – the seventy sixes of the Rockets and two two of the teams that I really like I really don't like their personnel. We could flip a coin for this one. I, if I had to, if I had to really make a decision, I would say, and it's not, and it's not hating on the Rockets. I would say the Sixers, even though I really don't believe they they're there yet. But based on the fact that they're in the West and the West is West is a lot tougher than people thought it would be this year. But the fact that they're in the West. And, and they have they have they have the ability to to present some real matchup problems, you know, with, with the, what they have out there. I would go I would go with them over the Rockets in this in this uh this or that. Why do you think the Rockets are getting so much buzz nationally? Because you're you're hearing some guys saying, well, "Wait a minute, watch out for the Rockets." I mean, I don't know that they a lot of people really legitimately think that, uh, legitimately think that they can win it or go to the finals. But you you're hearing a lot of buzz nationally. Why do you think that is? Actually, I'm not sure, especially if it's not legitimacy. Like if it's you know, I don't know why. I mean, they had they do have two former MVPs still in their prime on the team uh, with James Harden being able to score at will against anybody. Uh, we know what Russell Westbrook can do in the open court and, and how hard he's going to play and what he brings to the team. But it's the other guys that the Rockets have, you know, that you, you know, that you have to be concerned about for the Rockets' success. You know, what, what are the other guys going to do in, in those clutch moments? You know, who who's going to step up and be, you know, be the third wheel, so to speak? The Rockets already have Eric Gordon a little banged up with an ankle injury, so he'll be out a little bit. Uh, maybe day-to-day, maybe he'll miss a few games on the front end. But, yeah, so already that. But 76 is another team they talk a little bit about. They tr- they're gonna Sounds like they're going to try some new things with their formation. And, and I heard about Ben Simmons playing it at the four i don't know well, what do you think can be done with that philadelphia 76 team that so many people the, over the last couple of years thought would be more than they've been uh to this point oh they're gonna have to try something because i mean what we even though they was having a solid regular season i mean what we've seen so far is like i said it's not really gonna put them over the top uh ben simmons as good as he is as an all-around player and uh, the matchups he's present with his size and ball handling skills and passing skills, he's not a he's not a, a threat enough on offense for that team to be a to really be considered a championship team. And granted, he's a good defender and he can defend multiple multiple positions, but offensively, he's more he's more of a liability than he is a threat because he does because his lack of confidence in his in his jump shot and the fact that. You, he can't guarantee if Ben Simmons could guarantee you 20 a night or 20 plus a night, then that's a different Philadelphia 76ers team. But him averaging 15 a night, that's not going to get it done for them that for them to get over the hump. Any other team stand out to you that could be sort of a a, a spoiler? 
maybe not make a run to the finals, but maybe knock off a, a higher-profile team. Obviously, you talk about Toronto. They're high. They're second seed. They're two seed or whatever, and you got Milwaukee. But what what other teams, East or West, did you think uh, would surprise some folks with how they play in the eight games leading up to the playoffs and into the playoffs? I think Portland – with they having their whole team, having the guys healthy and having their, their full team now, I think they're gonna make it hard, make a make a push in these first in these eight games to try to get into or get into the playoff. I mean, get into the uh, the playing game somehow. I also like Dallas. I think Dallas is a team to look out for just to make it interesting. Uh, not saying that they're gonna make it to the finals, or, but just to make it interesting and whoever matchup they get. That's a that's. I don't, not too many teams want to see Dallas, even though they're young. I think they have the talent and uh, Luka Doncic. Uh, he has the experience overseas that I don't think I don't think he's going to be affected by these playoffs. He he won't look like a, a first time per, first time player in the playoffs because of his experience overseas and what he's been able to do internationally. Yeah, well, like I said, it'll be interesting to see. So you lean it towards you think they'll get a, a a full season in? You think they'll be able to complete this process? Yeah, I think I think because and, that, and that's the difference between the NBA and in and, and Major League Baseball. Like they, they had the bubble is what's keeping everybody safe. I don't know if it, you know in other 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 sports. I don't know if they'll be able to do it because it's so many play like baseball. You know, it's a lot of guys. Football, we know it's a whole bunch of guys. You know what I'm saying? I just don't know if it's if they will be able to do it based on the number of people that they will be trying to house for like a bubble. But I think the bubble situation is 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 going to work. And I think the TBT tournament has showed that it can work for a basketball setting. And it's like so far that a report just came out that uh, once again, nobody has tested positive, positive yeah. you know, in all of July. So, I mean, that's a great thing in itself. So I, I think, I think what's in place for the, for the, for the NBA restart in the bubble, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be successful and they'll be able to complete, complete this restart. I want to shift gears here a little bit and ask you a little bit. There was some buzz at, at Texas, around Texas Southern this week, uh, or last week, rather. Uh, Mikey Williams, a high-profile prospect, the kid that's not even coming out of high school until 2023, he named his 10 uh, finalists for, um, uh, where, for where he may go to school. And, of course, the phone calls – I got a, a ton of phone calls and feedback, and everybody has been really excited about – a transformative player coming to a HBCU and really may be able to make a difference. If you ask me, I don't think he'll ever <laughs> play in college. I think he'll go G League by the time 2023 comes around. But if if a player like Mikey Williams came to Texas Southern, what kind of impact, not only just on the court, but what would his presence do for that program while he's there and even after he's gone? Man, it's I like that these kids are somewhat considering these options now. You know, and definitely it sounds good. It gives you know, it gives you hope that possibly you know things could change. But like you said, a kid in his a kid of his stature, a kid of his his ability, I don't see him possibly even going to college. Period. You know, if he stays on this path that he's on in the next two years, he's going to be pretty much considered a guy who who might have a chance to either have the G League option. Like you said, or if the rules change, to be able to go to the NBA straight out of high school. So I mean, those two options would be way more appealing than to say, "Hey, I want to prove a point and and try to change some things by going to HBCU." But even with that, I mean, you never, you know, it's it's different for each individual. Like you never know what a person is is, you know, what he's trying to accomplish and what he's trying to do. But I do think to answer your question, I, I, it'd be big. 
it'd be big. And I had I had this conversation with uh with Marcus D. Wiley on my second episode of my podcast. We talked about it a little bit. And uh, my whole thing was, in order for it to be a, a big time success, I think it would have to be more than one player to go to all go to one school. I think if, if a Fab Five situation occurred with you know four or five guys, top some top ten, top thirty, top fifty players all go to the one HBCU at the, the same year, then I think we have you know we have a wild moment and a big a bigger impact. Yeah, because I would imagine you you think about some of the economic impacts on him. First of all, I mean, I would imagine a guy like him would you would have to get t- new TV deals and because every game is going to you know so many major networks are going to want to broadcast all of the games and attendance is going to be bananas and, and you know, like I said, some things could happen. I, I mean, I think it's fun to think about, but realistically, I think it's a long shot to say the least that he'll even play college basketball at this point. But it's fun to talk about. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Duke. You know, a lot of these kids, I mean, you wonder how many of these kids really understand history in the context of the game and the history of basketball. When you got to Duke, how were you educated about, like, the history of maybe even Duke basketball, ACC basketball? I'm sure you knew a lot going in, but how did – you get to understand how serious it was at Duke. Uh, well, for me, I was pretty self-educated based on the fact that I was just a basketball junkie growing up watching just college basketball, you know, a lot, especially on, you know, Saturdays and CBS games and all that. But once I got there, I mean, like I said, you, the legacy of the school and the tradition of everything is all over the gyms, right? right? You know, the banner, you know, the banners and retired jerseys and, you know, so – I mean, it's kind of not. It's kind of easy to to look up and you know see what what's what has happened over the years. But then again, you know you have Coach K, who's been the same coach there from the jump. You know, from the beginning of really the the dominance of Duke, he's been there the whole time. So you know he's gonna throughout situations, he's telling you about different teams that he coached and and you know how he helped this team, how that team got over this situation. You know, and so it's reiterated. You know, throughout each year. You know, he's going to use different examples from different teams. He's taking stuff from, you know, from his past and trying to incorporate it with each team every year to see how he can better that team. So, did they bring uh, a lot of the guys? Were a lot of guys around the program? Did they? Did you sit down with some of the some? Because I know a lot of guys can't come back because they're coaching and they're on that the Shashevsky tree, so they're doing their thing. Uh, but did you get a chance to meet a lot of the guys and and talk ACC basketball and Duke basketball? Well, I mean, that's I wouldn't necessarily say talk ACC, but, you know, a lot of guys are, are do come back, you know, throughout the year, just depending. Like when I was my first year or so, I think that's when Grant Hill was, he was hurt. He had just, I think he was with the Magic, if I'm not mistaken. And that's when, you know, he was dealing with those injuries. So he was around, he was around rehab and he was enduring him a lot. Uh, Jason Williams was, was back at, you know, his, he, he was out with his, uh, with his career and the injury. He, so he was, he was around a lot. So and then, like you said, having former the former players on staff, you know, so that you know, the, as assistant coaches, that you know, that helps, you know, in just everyday, just everyday conversations where you might just be kicking it, you know, or whatever case you talking about basketball with, you know, with one of one of the assistants. They've been through, they've been through the same stuff that you're going through. The history is is, you know, it never leaves, you know, it never leaves because you know everybody's in, everybody's embedded in, and involved and has been through it at, at some at some point. Yeah, well, that first group that I really liked was the team that went to the Final Four. It was Amaker and Johnny Dawkins. I think Billis was on that team. Mark Allery. I, that, that was my the first my first yeah. memory of 
the Duke Blue Devils. Of course, you know, North Carolina took up a lot of space in these parts uh, because, of course, here with Five Slam with Jammer, Rob Williams going up against, uh, well, it was Worthy Perkins, and then you had a, a guy named Michael Jordan on that team. So, yeah. Right. So, yeah, rich, rich history. I just wondered about that. That was just something I was thinking about, like, how do they educate you guys? Because some of these, you know, like kids, they play video games these days. They don't yeah. watch hours and hours of basketball or go back and watch games on YouTube or whatever. And so, like, I think past generations were the kind of guys that really studied and just loved the game in a different way. Yeah, it might be different now, like you said, because the kids, I don't know if the younger generation actually tunes into the game like other generations did, past generations did. You know, like you said, just studying the game, watch. And, and the fact that, I mean, college basketball is, is not the, like, for the younger kids, is not the premier basketball league that they're watching. If I, you know, I think a lot yeah, of guys yeah. kind of, a lot of kids are just skipping college basketball now and, and watching the NBA. Uh, but like you said, you old enough to remember the time when you could be a household name in college, even if it didn't translate into being successful in the NBA. I can name a number of guys who were superstars in college who maybe struggled or maybe didn't even make it in the NBA. But it was almost like a fourth major sport in America because basketball was that popular. Who were, who were some of your earlier memories of the first guys that you followed on, on the basketball court? What you showing your age? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm showing my age for real. <laughs> yeah, but no, but that I mean that is the team that '84 team that was the team that got everything started. If I mean I don't think there's a I don't think Duke is Duke the Duke that we know now. If that team doesn't have the players that they have and they don't have the success that they had uh, back in the you know back in the mid '80s. Uh, but for me, like I said, growing up, my earliest memories were were the you know the '90 the '91 '92 Duke teams with Grant Hill, Christian Laettner. Uh, Bobby Hurley, you know, Thomas uh, Hill was on Thomas Hill, a Texas guy, you know, Thomas Hill and you know, those guys. And then the Fat Five, of course, liking that team. I mean, a lot of teams, man, the, the Arkansas teams, you know, the Arkansas teams with, with Corliss Williamson and, and see when you, when you talk about Arkansas teams, I go back to Todd Day and Lee Mayberry and that's what, yeah, and Todd Day, yeah, 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 yeah th those yeah. guys. Yeah that, yeah. that was the Amoeba defense, right? 40 minutes of yeah. hell. Right, so you talk about those teams, and then uh, UCLA teams with you know with, with the O'Bannon brothers. You know, what yeah. I'm saying? See, like, I didn't like those guys. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't like UCLA. Like I said, you know, the teams that I like. I, I mean, I like UNLV teams. You know, I, and all course. all three yeah. versions of them. You you had the uh, the Larry Johnson, Stacey Augman teams. Then you had the the Mark Wade, Armand Gilliam. You know, those guys. That's way way back. But yeah, man, I I just miss loving college basketball. It's like college basketball is so different from the way it used to be. I don't think people, unless you have a little bit of age on, you don't remember how huge college basketball was on the sports landscape. Now, like you said, it's just a pit stop before you get to the NBA. And that, and that's sort of unfortunate. But, again, you can't knock the guys for trying to go get paid. Uh, I mean, no. And it's just the way things have evolved. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and like you said, you can't knock these kids for being good enough to only be in school one year and going to, going to fulfill their dream. Well, right. see, you, and what, I, what I, my problem was with the NBA, as we start to wrap up, I don't want to hold you too much longer, but the the my problem with the NBA when it, all of this started was you were picking potential over guys that had proven themselves on the college level. And I think while you hit on some of those guys, 
the high school and one year guys. You hit on you can't miss on a LeBron, but there there were a lot of guys they missed on because you went off of potential and ceiling versus what a guy actually got done. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, the NBA draft process has become so. And, and you can look at the NBA also though, as far as guys once guys get to NBA, it's no longer about production, right? Mm-hmm. It's really not no longer about production. You, if you look at guys, the money some of these guys are making, and you're like, man, how did he get eighty million? You know, and and you're like, he didn't like, you know, guys getting a hundred million, they they're not even close to being an all star type player. You know, it's more so just that the money's so good right now, and the fact that you know a lot a lot of it is based on like potentially, all right, what can this guy, what does this guy look like potentially, and do we like it enough to you know to you know to either draft him or to to pay him this amount of money that we have. Yeah. So, well, tell folks one more time how they reach out to you on social media and how to catch the "It Was All a Dream" podcast. You can uh, listen to the "All a Dream." It was all a dream podcast on available everywhere on all platforms, and you can reach me at Instagram at Mr. Daniel Ewing. That's M R Daniel Ewing, and on Twitter it's the same. And my podcast handle name on Twitter and Instagram is. I W A A D podcast. All right. Well, I will follow those and I'll blast those out. So uh, any folks that uh, follow me on Twitter will have access to it if they don't remember, but you can go back, you can rewind. This is a podcast. You can rewind and write that down, but we certainly appreciate you uh, joining in and uh, man, great to talk basketball with you. We'll have to see how this NBA thing goes, but it's, it's exciting to see it get underway. Yeah, it's here. It's here, man. So yeah, let's see it's all about seeing how, how things work out. Now it's here. want to thank our guy Daniel Ewing for joining us and giving us his picks and some insight into college basketball and the NBA. And big ups to him because, again, uh, I alluded to this a little bit in the uh, interview. It was a rough day. I lost power. So let me tell you what's going on with Centerpoint. And I want to go in on Centerpoint, but I don't I don't want Centerpoint to cut my energy again. So I've had a number of power outages. And you say, okay, well, what's the problem? There are 1,800 homes that have had eight power outages since July 11th. So that's eight power outages. And I'm like, yo, I'm working from home. I'm, I, I can't, this is not working for me. That's what I, cause I've called and complained. And the lady said, well, we can write a, a number to, we can write, write an email or a letter to your supervisor. I'm like, uh, I'm the supervisor. I just need my electricity. And I guess, I don't, should I get a generator? I don't know. I, I don't want to fool the generator, but maybe I'll have to. So they don't know what the problem is, but apparently nine times since July 11th, they we've had substantial power outages for no reason anyone can explain. They have three to five business days to respond to me. I have yet to get that call, but that's what's uh, going on with that situation. So, but he, he was patient with me. We were supposed to start at a certain time. I couldn't because we didn't have lights. Then the lights came back on and we were just about set to do the interview. And I said, okay, you ready to get started? Lights went out again. And so he pushed it back uh, later in the afternoon. So I, I really appreciate him for that. But it was so you guys, I give you a peek behind the curtain. It's not always easy breezy with these situations. But what is easy breezy is to recognize that it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope you 
the ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you. You big dummy. The Lamar Award goes to the person, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports usually that we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. Well, this time out. We talked about him. You know about him. People have recommended him, and I will give it to him. And it's not Mike Dicker, although he may be one coming up a little bit later on. It is actually Lou Williams of the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, Lou Williams was allowed, if you don't know the backstory, Lou Williams was allowed to leave the bubble to go to Atlanta for a family funeral. And he went, but there was one problem. They caught him. Jack Harlow, a rap artist, took a picture of him and Lou Williams in the strip club, Magic City Strip Club. And, of course, that started a whole thing about him in Magic City where he, why would you be at a strip club and you're supposed to be at a funeral? And, why, you know, what's going on with that? So he explained, which he had previously explained, that his favorite thing in the world to eat was the food from Magic City. And I'm sure, I think he said the wings, but everybody knows the wings of Magic City if you're an Atlanta person or whatever. Now, I have, I will say this. I don't know how much I should delve into this, but I have been to Magic City and several strip clubs in Atlanta. Now, now this is, it's a different thing there. It's a whole it's a whole thing. It's a different environment there. It's not like it's kind of like that in Houston, but it, I mean and again, this was years ago. So let me qualify that. But yeah, yeah, I I don't remember. I'm sure I ate something. But I can tell you this. I probably didn't want to leave the first place we were at. But we ended up going to several I, I was with some 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 professional athletes at the time. So, I mean, it was a different, different part of my life. I mean, I'm not, whatever. I'm just saying, I don't, I'm just saying that. So I've been to those places and I don't, at the time, I don't remember the food, but again, things changed culturally. Maybe they stepped up their wing game since the last time I was there, whatever. But, but in Atlanta, they'll tell you it's a whole thing. That being said, he said he went there just for the wings and that's believable. And people are like, well, he should be allowed to eat what he wants to eat. Well, I have a couple issues. I don't care about him getting wings from the strip club. I care that he's getting wings from anywhere himself. Because you're 200, I mean, let me see. It's really not a big deal. Honestly, it's not a big deal. Because he was going to have to quarantine for 10 days anyway when he got back. So no matter what he did, he was going to have to quarantine to make sure he was safe. So it's not in the grand scheme of things. It's really not a big deal. But the NBA has to be concerned that, hey, we want the, the appearance to be that we are taking this thing serious. And I think they want all of their players to take this thing serious. You cannot violate the bubble because you could cost the entire league a season and millions upon millions upon millions of dollars for everybody across the board. So the optics just didn't look very good. But my other issue is if you went to the funeral, why didn't you eat at the repast? Now, again, not to say that that was any safer because you don't know if everybody was socially distanced, but if they did have a repast, did not, no one made a plate? Nobody dropped no food off at the house? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, you could have ate that cornbread and potato salad. You could have ate them greens and that hummingbird cake. You could have done that, but no, you want to get fancy. You're an NBA star. 
You want to go to Magic City and eat wings. You want to eat out. Should have ate that food that was at the repast. And I'm sure even if there was not a quote-unquote repast because of social distancing, somebody somewhere brought a plate. They brought food. You know, it's always food around. So I'm sure that was the case. And because you didn't eat a repast and you went out to the strip club to eat, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in the grand scheme of things, again, this is not a big deal. It's not a huge deal that he did this because he was going to have to quarantine for 10 days anyway. He did, and it's, it should be okay. I hope he's okay. I like him a lot as a player. I think he, he's one hell of a ball player, but I just think the optics doesn't feel, didn't feel good for the NBA, and hence uh, he got the, the criticism, the backlash. And, boy, the fervent defense by some of these NBA guys was just like, Really, man? Yeah, well, he should be able to eat what he want to eat. That, that was Tracy McGrady saying that. And, and I get it. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> he can eat where he wants to eat. I don't want him eating anywhere right now. I want people to go curbside, bro. Go curbside if you're going to do any of that. Because even if you don't give it to anybody else, I wouldn't want you to have it. Because I care. Just like I care for everybody else. Like I care for the teachers. Yes, the teachers that they're trying to force back in the school. Like most teachers go into teaching because it's not a very dangerous, treacherous set of occupations. Pretty, pretty low key. I mean, obviously, school shootings are something you have to deal with in, in modern history. But by and large, most teachers are not risk takers. OK, but yet you want them to go in and risk their lives for, <laughs> for, for a little Jimmy. And, and knowing little Jimmy don't wash his hands or socially distance. But hey, that's neither here nor there. But no, shouldn't have to go to go to a job to risk your life unless you just make the choice. You shouldn't have to. You don't make people go into the military. It's a volunteer army. You don't make people do it. But yet in this situation, can't vote. You don't want people to vote because it's dangerous. That's what you said. Trump. But you want to send people to school. You cancel your convention. Canceling your convention. But not school. Okay. I, I see you, big fella. <laughs> I see you. Nonetheless, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, I want to thank uh, Daniel Ewing. want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. want to thank all of you guys for the love and support. The comments. Please comment if you haven't. Share, like, all of those good things so we know that you're out there. The sports line. 832-941-6614-832-941-6614 Waysworldproductions.com website Email us, hit us up, sign up for the email list All that good stuff And as always, remember these four things Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening Two, I ain't got no money Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice And four, bye <laughs> This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.